At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Do you want to save money at the grocery store? Eat more organic, whole foods? Cultivate food security and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Casey Beck and Austin Blair of the documentary The Organic Life to talk about their experience with growing food and filmmaking. Casey is a director and producer of independent documentary films, highlighting untold stories. She premiered The Organic Life to sold-out crowds at the 36th Mill Valley Film Festival in 2013. The film won Best Documentary Feature at the Santa Cruz Film Festival, and national and online broadcast distribution was rolled out in 2014, including iTunes, Food Matters TVs, and Pivot TV, among others. Casey is currently directing a feature documentary, This Just In, as well as digital short documentary series telling immigration stories through food called Table. Austin has been farming for seven years. He got his start through the apprentice program at Soilborn Farms in Sacramento, California in 2009. Soon after, he co-founded Lunita Farm in Sonoma Valley, a hand-scale mixed vegetable operation. In 2010, Austin began to work full-time at Paul's Produce, a mainstay in the Sonoma farming community for nearly 30 years. At home, he raises chickens and is launching a new hot sauce label. Welcome to the show today, Casey and Austin. 
Thank hey, you. Thanks for having us, Greg. Absolutely. I'm excited that you're here. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Well, um, we are from very different areas of the country. I'm from Syracuse, New York, originally. And mm-hmm. Casey's from... I'm South, from Florida. Yeah, South oh, Florida. Wow. Um, we met at school in Boston. Um, and I did... I did a biology degree, but didn't really, and was kind of into plants and had done landscaping and things like that, um, mm-hmm. but didn't really have farming on my radar, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, and Casey kind of knew from the get-go that she was really into filmmaking. Yeah, by the time we met, I had already taken a couple filmmaking classes and was pretty sure that I, at least after we graduated, wanted to try it. Wasn't sure if I'd make it a career or not, but uh-huh. knew that's what I wanted to do. So I guess I'll, yeah. I'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I so I actually uh, received a Fulbright to make a movie, a, a documentary film in Argentina. Wow. Um, yeah. And so we went down there the year after we graduated. I kind of invited Austin along just because I said, well, I think it's pretty cheap to live down there and pretty beautiful and you don't know what you want to do. And there was a financial crisis going on here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so did you take him along as your Sherpa? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. More, he was actually I, what quickly became clear. He was more like my personal chef, really, which <laughs> oh. which is a role that he has not uh, shirked since then. <laughs> yeah, nice. I kind of I kind of came to came to it from the angle of cooking and and getting into food through kind of building a love of cooking uh-huh. that started for me in college, and then um, when we moved. Argentina, I'd never really lived in a big city before, and Buenos Aires is like a, a sort of a, a mega city, a mega yeah. city, like a New York sized city. And, you know, and we lived in a big high rise apartment, and I had my butcher and my vegetable guy and my fish guy and my Baker. cheese guy, you know, pasta wow. guy. Yeah. yeah. And it was just a very cool experience, and I really got, got into food in a different way than I ever had before. And so Casey made her film, and then at the end of the time we were there, we took about a month and a half or so and traveled around the rest of the country, mm-hmm. which included an experience woofing in Mendoza, Ooh. which is kind of the wine-growing region, more or less due west of Buenos Aires against the Andes Mountains. Uh-huh. And it's interesting because in, in many ways, it's very similar to California. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially where we're at. And we um, we spent about a week on a very small family farm, really a subsistence family farm there. Oh, wow. And I think uh, I've always been someone who was into, you know, physical activity outdoors. And it was kind of just the first actual glimpse I'd had of what of what farming was all about. And they had about maybe three acres, about an acre of vegetables, and they had cows that they milked every day, and pigs, and they, four of the sows gave birth while we were there. and They raised rabbits for meat. They raised me. rabbits for meat. They made their own wow. prosciutto and stuff. It was it very was cool. It was really cool. What yeah. year was that? Um, uh, 2009? Oh, no, my gosh. 2008. 2008. Yeah, 2008. Yeah, 2008. Wow, that was just like last year practically I yeah know. i know yeah. It's, i know it's 2016 but that wasn't that long ago no i'm definitely what you would consider a new farmer <laughs> wow so you mentioned a term i really want you to unpack it for our listeners because a lot of them may not know what woofing is except you know maybe the dog 
Yeah. <laughs> so I've heard I've heard it said two ways: uh, willing workers on organic farms or worldwide workers on organic farms. And either way, it's basically a program. There are some sort of regional groupings, but uh-huh. it's more or less country by country. Right. Um, and it's it's kind of a way for mostly younger folks, you know, early twenties kind of people, which is what we were at the time to get an experience on a farm and you essentially stay um, for free and you get lodging and food in exchange for some amount of work. Oh, nice. And it's pretty well organized. You can just go online and type in Woofing Argentina and then um, most of the the sites have a, a small fee to log in. And then once you're in, basically it lists like farm by farm, what the farm is, you know, what they grow, what kind of work they need. And then you just start a conversation, you know, you contact them through the site and or they have their email on there. And then Uh you, you you know, tell them, here's who I am. Here's what I'm looking to, you know, how long I'm looking to be there. And what was really cool about this one, this family in particular, too, was they didn't have the means to travel or to take their kids, I think, even within the country, you know, uh-huh. but certainly without, uh, they didn't have the means to take their children outside of the country. And so they actually saw woofing in part as a way to bring their the world to their kids. Oh, wow. um, they had all of these travelers from all over the world coming and farming with them and then, you know, speaking different languages with their kids and telling them about their experience and what they do in their home country. And it was really cool to kind of have that that bond, that interaction with the family in that way that sounds like a life-changing event for you and them it, it, really, it was yeah it really, it really was i mean yeah. it was the event that and that kind of made me say okay i want to look into this further and so when we came back from argentina casey actually had another film project in the dominican republic in the in the following year and then i moved to sacramento and uh worked on a farm called Soilborn farm oh wow. Uh, which is uh, which is an urban farm, but is is very cool. They kind of they have one farm that's in the city of Sacramento, and then a much much larger farm uh, just outside in a suburb called American Rancho Cordova. What's it called Rancho Cordova? And there, I kind of got a real experience on a tractor scale farm, and oh, right. uh, kind of did a full season, and um, really got the bug and said, you know, this is for me. And we had been planning on moving out to California at some point. Anyhow, and so Casey moved out to San Francisco, and then we lived there for a very short period of time before we kind of realized that we we'd had our city experience. I think once Austin <laughs> got a taste of you know being that farm was what forty acres. I mean, twenty six. Yeah, it was a very that. large piece yeah. of property. Not that was all in production, but right. um, definitely tractor scale. And then so the idea of kind of going back to something smaller. You know, he said, "Well, if we can find find somewhere close enough that you can still be connected to a metropolitan area to do film work, but I can farm. Like, let's try to find that." And so, Sonoma was pretty perfect for that. And so, that was six over six years ago that we moved to Sonoma. Wow! Yeah, be- yeah. Beginning of two thousand ten. And Austin, that when he first moved, started his own small farm, a hand scale, a half acre yeah. farm put an ad in the paper that said young farmer looking for land and uh, a lady really? called yeah 24 hours later a lady called me up 24 hours later said hey i got some land and oh my gosh i just got chills really uh, yeah that's how you got your first farm that is epic 
I was well, trying to do it on the, Craigslist. I was going to say the funniest thing was we were cared. we had a lesson in small and how to live in a small town because we put it on Craigslist because you know that's what we just thought to do and someone said to us, "Oh no, you have to you have to put it in the local paper. No one goes." <laughs> on Craigslist. <laughs> so yeah, that's how it worked. Yeah, and so I started doing that, and I ended up partnering with um, this other woman, uh, this other farmer in town. And I think we quickly realized that it wasn't really enough land for both of us to be farming mm-hmm. on and really make uh, make much of a go at it uh, commercially. And then at the same time, same kind of small town happenstance, our landlord is my current boss's best friend. Oh, right. And so he said, oh, you should go work for my friend, Paul. And, you know, we were used to living in places that weren't as friendly um, oh, yeah. shall we say at that point and it was it was a little bit jarring but he um it actually worked out it worked out great and that's that's where i've been ever since and then the story behind the organic life so paul so austin started working for paul and meanwhile i was kind of in between film projects and wasn't really sure what i wanted to do um what i wanted to start working on and i actually went to a producer in la who produces documentary films and you know we got coffee and kind of pitched him a bunch of different ideas like I had all these ideas about I wanted to go to Nepal and talk about Tibetan refugees and then I thought this was before all of the gold digging shows on Discovery and I thought oh what about you know gold diggers and and then I found out that like Discovery was in the works to do that exact thing right so I was rambling on to this poor producer for about 45 minutes with all of my different ideas and he said at the end of it, he kind of looked at me and I, I could tell it wasn't going very well. And he said, you said you live in Sonoma, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, and and you, your boyfriend's a farmer, right? And I, <laughs> I said, yeah. And then he said, well, that's the best story that you've got. You should make a documentary about your boyfriend being a farmer. Nice. And yeah. And I hadn't even thought about that as a potential story. And so it was really cool to get that outside perspective. So yeah. I called Austin um, after and I said, Austin, I have I have good news and bad news. <laughs> um, the good news is the producer gave me a really great idea for a documentary, and the bad news is it's about you. <laughs> <laughs> how did how did you feel about that, Austin? Uh, not good, not good. But it wasn't really? uh, it wasn't presented as a as a request. It was more of a this is what's happening. Oh, so. yes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely levered our le- leveraged our relationship probably in an unfair way um, to, to get the story that I needed. Well, well, you're laughing about it, Austin. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think if you if you've seen the film, you'll see that I'm I'm a bit of an unwilling participant, but ah. Casey's a, a very good filmmaker. So there you go. So give us the name of the film. So the film that I ended up making is called The Organic Life, mm-hmm. and it's basically a year uh, in our lives, and particularly in Austin's life as a young farmer in Sonoma, California. Wow. And so it kind of covers the first full year in 2011 that I work with Paul, and he's he's been farming for a very long time. He comes from a farming family from Wisconsin and then has been farming in Sonoma for almost 30 years mm-hmm. now. And he's been on this particular piece of land where we're still farming for uh, almost that whole 30 years. Um, but this was actually the first year that he was kind of restarting a new business. Um, and so there were a lot of ups and downs of just trying to get get that going. But it was also just a lot of fairly steep learning curve for me. Um, 
cool. So, and that's where you're still working at now. Yeah, exactly. And so it uh, it went really well, and we've been doing really well ever since. And so this will be my, I guess, my sixth full season with him. Wow. Yeah. yeah so the film yeah. really is really does capture a moment in time um, that all of the emotions, everything that's happening, is is very real and authentic. And mm-hmm. we're very happy to look back on it now and be like, wow. That was really stressful and crazy, and we're glad things are better. (laughs) So tell me about the inspiration behind the film. And I know you kind of all, you know, touched on it a little bit, but tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, I think at the time, the only film that was out that was even in the subject of farming Mm -hmm. was Food, Inc., Um, which was a very important documentary. And of course, the future of food years before that. But really, there were these few kind of, you know, landmark documentaries, but they weren't, to me, super personal. They interviewed farmers and they talked about, you know, the importance of farming. But I think as a storyteller, the best way to tell a story is from a personal perspective, right? The way to make people care is to show them a a person dealing with that issue. Right. Um, that's kind of like storytelling 101. Yeah. So, you know, living with a farmer at that point, and all of our friends were farmers, I felt that the I, I just wanted to make a piece of media that really did their story justice. And that is to say, to present what farmers go through in a real and honest way. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's all bad. And it's not that it's all good, uh, like any job, like any profession. It's kind of it's life. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So the film is is really intimate. Um, someone just told me, they said, "Oh, I really liked how much time we spent in your house." And I was like, "Yeah, you do see a lot of our kitchen." Oh yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's really real in that sense. And uh, I I wanted to I you know because I had access to this great farmer. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I committed to, to being out there for a year. My original idea was I'll go out at least once a week for a year. I think I probably averaged about that. There were a couple weeks I went out multiple times and a couple weeks I didn't go out at all. Uh-huh. But it just to show the the speed of of life on a farm, the the speed of kind of these cycles and processes that are lost to all but a few of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that because I'm in the filmmaking world, which is a very fast, you know, fast paced, the media oh, yeah, world. No kidding. It's, it's very instant right now. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to, to check in and to offer an audience a look at this um, historic lifestyle that's still being carried through today and has just kind of evolved to meet modern demands. Yeah. Yeah, Austin, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was very interesting as a participant because in one way it was cool to be able to spend time with Casey because a lot of the a lot of the problem that you see in the film is is us trying to kind of get used to this lifestyle where maybe I have a lot more time to hang out in the winter, uh-huh. but in the summer, <laughs> you know, pretty you have busy, nothing. You know, pretty tired and yeah. You know, going to bed early and getting up early, and and so, I think showing showing that and showing the development of our relationship through that, I thought was pretty cool. And I, I think since we've talked to you know our farm friends and then showed the film in other farming communities since, we, we've really gotten a warm um, reception, reception mm-hmm. yeah, uh, from other farmers because I think they really saw it and said, yeah, I can I can relate to that. I can. Yeah. 
I can see that. And Austin did sign off on everything that's in there. I gave him uh, editorial oversight. And, <laughs> oh, uh, nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so there were, I mean, he was like, he basically said, yes, this is accurate. You know, I, I, that's what happened. And there were a couple of scenes, like really, if I'm being honest, a little nitpicking about, a little nitpicky about some of the scenes. For example, I showed it, my editor and I had cut seedlings of a, um, uh, of eggplant. Yeah, it was seedlings eggplant. of eggplant, and but you were saying tomato. And I was saying <laughs> tomato. And so Austin said, no, 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 no. You have to, if you want to show this to farmers, you have to show a tomato seedling when you say tomatoes, tomato. yeah. they will know that this is, you know, made by non-farmers. So <laughs> there were a couple incidences like that where I was like, okay, if that's, if those are your only problems, then I guess it's okay. I mean, yeah. I was going to say they're doing great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can vouch for the agricultural accuracy. Of <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, and that's what you're there for, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So I want to know some high points and low points if you're willing to share them what what was a high point for you in this process um i think the high there were several high points i think um finishing the actual filming was probably a high point and realizing oh we have a you know we have a good product here yeah um <clears throat> i think there's been a number of times for me seeing the film and presenting it to people um whether it's in film festivals or individual mm-hmm. screenings, um, each of those have really been high points for me to be able to kind of use the film as a way to just to talk to other people about about farming and about the importance of, of uh, sustainable agriculture. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really, um, you know, what's been really cool is a, a lot. I mean, every time we present the film or every time the film comes up, we hear, I hear how, our farmers, you know, well, if only they would do more and if they could, you know, get out and advocate for themselves and educate the public. And I really, <laughs> I, 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 I empathize with the farmers because yeah. there are very few other professions where not only you're expected to do your profession and do it well, but then you have to do a total, a totally different profession, which is educate people on top of that. And so it's been really cool when that comes up to, to be able to say, well, that's that's why I made the film. So yeah. that's kind of my part and my role in this is that I can, you know, I've made made something that farmers, most, you know, most of the farmers, if not all we've shown, have said, yeah, this is what it's like yeah. to really explain to a general audience what it is like and to, you know, maybe add some value to what farmers are doing or perceived value um, where it might not otherwise be there. Because, you know, I think once you see it, it's hard to argue with what they're asking for these vegetables. It still feels too low, honestly, after you see them bend over and plant, you know, you know, plant by plant for 500 feet. It's like, yeah, how am I complaining about this being three dollars a pound? So it gives us a whole new appreciation for the value of real food, don't you think? Yeah, it really does. I mean, I think that was one of my goals and that was one of the inspirations behind the film is, uh, you know, seeing Austin and other farmers just kind of frustrated with some of the reaction to organics. And I think this is slowly changing and and especially as more farmers markets are accepting EBT and more people realize there are other ways to get fresh food. Mm -hmm. 
at, at a, a lower cost, and that might be through a CSA or through buying in bulk. But especially when we were making the film, there was still a little bit of iciness around, you know, coldness around organic and the idea of like, well, I would love to buy organic, but it's so expensive. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it was kind of like, well, this is why. And, you know, is it really expensive when you think about all, all that's gone into it and all the thought and care for, for the earth, for the farm as a system mm -hmm. that is not seen in other, other, other food products? I like the thought that you can either pay for it now by what you put in and what you eat, or you can pay for it later in your medical bills. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the idea of food as medicine is as old as as man, really. Yeah. You know? And and I think people, I, I think what's been really cool for us is, you know, we Casey shot the film in 2011, and as she just said, I mean, there, the attitude has really changed in the past five years. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's podcasts like yours out there now and, and the number of books and movies and just the, I don't know, it's just in the zeitgeist it's now been really, in a way it's that it was really before. heartening yeah. to kind of yeah. witness that change and maybe even play a small part. Um, and I was going to say, I think one of the best ways that people can actually learn to value organic local seasonal produce is by growing their own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No you know, I think once you start growing, trying to grow it, you realize like, oh, this is really quite difficult. You know, there's some things that are super easy and really fun. And then when you actually start to get some a, a series of raised beds or whatever your situation is, that's when you start to realize, wow, there's a lot that goes into this oh, um, yeah. and that's not to say you can't do it at home but I think it's it's kind of cool to have both you know try it at home and then I think you will without a doubt certainly value your local farmers more <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the case very well said very well said as far as a low point I mean of course, on my end, there's the, uh, you know, the financial stress of, of raising money for a, a feature film, uh, oh, yeah. feature independent documentary at that, which um, is always difficult. But uh, I was really, it was really an interesting experience to see our town kind of rally around the film. And I had a couple different um, really successful fundraisers over two years, which I think kind of gave me not only the financial support but also the emotional support to oh, keep yeah. going yeah so just that experience but then you know even coming up short at the end and having to ask a few friends basically to invest in the film and to say look i i know that this people want to see this i know that there's an audience out there will will you invest and was really fortunate that a, a couple close people stepped up and said yeah I'll, we'll do that um, I also think about you'll there's one scene in the film where Austin and I it's in the heart heat of the summer and we're kind of replaying this argument that we had um, in real life and we were talking about it again and that's when it was recorded but the first time I had this thought of, oh my gosh I need to film this and then I immediately followed that up with a thought of, what are you thinking? Don't be a terrible f person. You can't film this. <laughs> so I didn't film the first one. And so then I, I kind of said, you know, can we talk about that again? I know it's still a little touchy, but mm -hmm. I think it's really important for the film. So that was a real, a uh, little bit of a speed bump that we had to get over. And then we had to have a third conversation, not on camera, to be like, we're cool, right? Like everything's <laughs> good. <laughs> so that was a real process. But yeah, I, um, I think that emotion is really captured in that in that moment as well. 
Yeah, and there's some others. Like, there's a scene that didn't make the film of uh, showing me riding my bike to the farm Uh because we live on the farm. And I was like, man, it's like, I I have to ride my bike to the farm. You can't just give me a ride today. (laughs) You have to, like, be doing it. (laughs) I had our neighbor driving the car, and I'm feeling out the window and, like, talking to Austin. And he's like, what are you doing? You, this is insane. Like, just give me a ride. <laughs> so, yeah, there were some some moments where our relationship kind of con- confront was confronted in yeah. the or con- I guess confronted the filmmaking process. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. And it's cool that you put that in because that's real life. Yeah, and that was really important to me. Just it, it was again just going back to why I made the film. I didn't want to sugarcoat it. I didn't want it to look perfect. I didn't want to cut out all of the camera shake and the cuts and the this because I it really was. I wanted to show people what it's like, yeah. um, and so that's that's part of it. Nice, nice, well done. That was uh, an epic project, and I'm really proud of both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to shift a little bit on here, and I'm going to ask you about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what have you learned from it? Well, I think uh, the most obvious one for me is is uh, when I tried to start my own small farm coming here. Uh-huh. Um, so after I left Sacramento and, and, and basically made my way to Sonoma, I thought, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I've learned all this stuff. I'm ready to go. Like, I know how to to farm now and got into it and very quickly realized that I did not have nearly the skills that I, <laughs> I either needed or, or wanted to get yeah. to kind of the level I wanted to get to. Yeah. And, um, I think one of the reasons that we hadn't stayed in Sacramento was that I had kind of been looking for a mentor or, um, and you know, uh, working with a more experienced farmer who'd, who'd really, kind of had a successful business mm-hmm. that I could that I could work in and work in his system or her system and and really um, learn that way. And that was something that really appealed to me and I, I feel like I kind of just lucked out working with Paul and it was I, I think in some ways it was necessary for me to kind of start my own small farm and fail for him to be able to kind of see okay like he's serious he's really trying uh you know he's trying to do this he's doing something here you but he know? clearly needs some help he clearly needs some help he clearly yeah. needs some skills that yeah. he doesn't quite have yet and so i mean it was really a great growth experience personal growth experience for me and in, in a lot of um in a lot of ways so i think another element of that as well that austin isn't mentioning is that the first thing he did for paul when he was still working on his own farm was actually drive the delivery truck. Um, and I think it, it also, you know, it, it's, I think we've lost, um, at times there's this, like our entrepreneurial spirit and I'm speaking of the Royal, we has, has grown to the point where it's like, we, it's hard for us to humble, humble ourselves yeah. and take those foot in the door jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it was really honorable of Austin to say, okay, here, I want to work with this guy. There's not the position that I want, which is to farm with him right now, but there's a delivery driver, you know, position. And and now I can talk to all the chefs and meet all the chefs. (laughs) And I think it, you know, it's 
to kind of look at the silver lining of what what opportunities are there and then i think most most managers and business owners you know if you prove yourself to them are willing to give you more opportunity and so i think when paul saw like okay this guy started his own farm is now willing to drive drive a truck around for me like let's let's see what his farming where his farming chops are and actually get him out in the field and and working yeah and it was Cool, that same year so that was 20 summer of 2010 um, and then I started working farmers markets for for them oh right yeah and then by the end of the summer by tomato season which for us it really doesn't start in a big way until August then I started picking tomatoes and then by the end of the summer I was working more or less half time there but it was a great it was a great experience in kind of doing things little by little and kind of showing that I could hang with the crew even though I was definitely the slowest guy out there but <laughs> Uh, you know, little by little, just getting my skills up. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, what do you consider your biggest success? I think for me, probably just sticking with it. I I feel like mm. um, I feel like uh, the, there's been a number of times where I've thought about going off and trying to do my own kind of farm or or you know building on um, the things I learned and then and then trying to try to take them somewhere else but I think um, for me being able to just just stick with it and and really learn the things I need to learn season in and season out mm -hmm. has has made me a much better farmer and I really feel like I'm just kind of in a, in a really solid position now to keep doing that to keep learning to keep building my skills we'll see I'm only six six years in really but it, um, <laughs> okay. wow. It's, How about you, Casey? I think, you know, kind of coming out of some of the fundraising struggles, uh, one of the things I didn't mention was that I, I think I, I applied, I didn't keep track, but it was definitely nearing 20 grants. Um, oh, wow. I mean, I just applied over and over and over and just got rejected and rejected and rejected rejected. I mean, to grants where I was like, I'm certain I will get this. Like, there's no, there's no better fit. There can't be. And then you get the, you know, thank, the form letter. Thank you for applying. Yeah. And so realizing that my support system was my community asking for money from the community, mm -hmm. you know, to, and, and to, for them to believe in this project. And then from there going to getting to a place where, you know, it had national distribution. It was uh, on Pivot TV in the summer of 2014 wow. and I just remember going to the TV guide and seeing <laughs> the organic life coming on at 4 p.m. or whatever <laughs> and you know kind of just standing there awestruck oh, it's almost unbelievable but then you know your eyes are, are seeing it and so that was really really powerful to realize like this tiny little film I mean I call it professional home movies it's it's really like <laughs> not your you know high production quality lit this and that interviewing all the experts no it's it's just Austin and me in our kitchen you know yeah. and just to have that and then to have it go to a national audience was was epic. very powerful yeah very it was it was epic, epic yeah yeah well I'm you know congratulations once again that is Thanks. just yeah that's incredible I'm so proud of you both Thank you so much. So, what drives you? Well, for me, for me, I guess it's just a passion for delicious food, and I feel like one of the things I, I like I like the physical work with my body. I like being outdoors all the time. I like kind of the team aspect of farming, 
but I also like that it has a lot of individual aspects as well that allow for a lot of, I don't know, just personal, you know, in your head kind of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, that is the case. Contemplative time. Yeah. 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 And so in, in some ways, I mean, we do a lot of yoga and in, in some ways farming is very much like a moving meditation at times. Amen. You know? Yeah. And, um, and, and I think it's it's one of those and maybe there's a lot of other jobs like this but for me it, it has so many different levels of satisfaction like a single day i can feel like wow we really got a lot done today and yeah. you know everything just clicked mm-hmm. or we could have a really big sale and that feels really good yeah. or you know folks come back from a farmers market and they've sold out everything and that feels yeah. great or it could just be eating, you know, at, we had the first cherry tomato of the year last week. Oh, and, my God, yes. And that that kind of thing is just so great, you know. And being able to just snack right in the field is just is just awesome for me. So, yeah. so Casey, what drives you? I mean, I think it's it sounds so cliche, but I, you know, in thinking about that question, for me, it's just that there's so much beauty in the earth. There's so much um, that I see and hear that's just really incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And to be able to capture that and then um, edit it and work with it and kind of massage the story into it or out of it or around it, you know, whatever it might be to be able to present it to other people, it's it's just something that I, I'm drawn to. I yeah. really am like, I, I it's almost like making life digestible for other people. And I think also challenging the singular narrative that's out there you know when you especially with something that was so personal when I when I realized oh this is what's out there what people believe because what the news media and the you know the mainstream media is saying what they believe isn't the whole truth that that really drives me to kind of add (laughs) something else and and I think about it it was personal for me and I think that there are so many other stories like that and so many other filmmakers and media makers producers out there who have similar situations, right? Where this singular narrative, whatever it might be, doesn't represent their reality. Mm-hmm. So to be able to take part of that process, um, I guess I'm, you know, always like to challenge authority a little bit in whatever form it yeah. might be. <laughs> and then to be able to do it in a beautiful way, it's there's nothing better. Yeah. Very beautiful. The way you said that. Very, very beautiful. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So I'm all about education. I have to know, is there one book that has been influential for you guys in this process? Um, I would say I'm really the only one who does farm based reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I, certainly Elliot Coleman's New Organic Grower. Oh, yes. Called, was a book that I read at Soilborn when I worked there. And we also read the John Jevons book, How to Grow More Vegetables. Oh, yes. Um, and so it was cool because in those two books, both fa- focus on um, much smaller farm scale than I'm used to now. Mm-hmm. But they provided ways of learning and thinking about soil building and cover cropping and crop rotation and all the important aspects of farming that are just as applicable on a on a tractor scale in the way that I'm working now. And so I think um, I think those are books that are they're they're both very very important sort of as the canon in the canon of farming books mm-hmm. but also um particularly the how to grow more vegetable ones is oh, very yeah. prescriptive i mean it really yeah. has a lot of information if you you know if you want to know spacing details and, and the kind of stuff that 
I mean, you can get that from the Johnny's catalog sometimes. The Johnny's seed catalog out yeah. of Maine has that kind of info, but otherwise, that that kind of info is can can be difficult to come by. Yeah, um, exactly. And and so that that's but that was a tremendous resource for me, yeah. especially trying to start my own my own farm. Casey. I mean, I I am a visual person, so I just think of you know every movie that oh, yes. I've seen that it, you know informs my work in one way or another. Whether it's you know the the latest Inuratu film and looking at these single shots of you know traipsing through whatever set that he's in or whatever scene and just thinking like oh I could shoot a documentary like that you know <laughs> how how do, how do I do that yeah um, or a Swedish art film that just lets scenes really hang in this beautiful and powerful way that, you know, so often we have all these really short cuts. So I, you know, I like all of these films come to mind, but I'm much more of a film person. Uh, I mean, when I read it's, it's novels and stories and I'm I'm the storyteller of, of the two of us. (laughs) Austin's the the logical planner and I'm the whimsical, (laughs) like, Oh, what, what fun can, you know, I think up. (laughs) I actually, there's a, there's another book that I just thought of that, that is, is a much older book called five acres and independence. Um, I know. I was surprised you didn't say yeah, that. Yeah, this, this is a very cool book. I, I can't remember when it's from. It's got to be the 30s or 40s or something. But it it very much takes this very old school idea of the family farm where you can kind of have, have everything within the farm. And it tells you how to build the root cellar and the barn and all this type of stuff. And that book to me felt like a, a way of explaining how to do in the United States, basically what this family in Argentina that we saw. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it has some applicability for what I'm doing today, but I think, you know, if we were ever to, to own our own land and, and create our own farm someday, that that would, that would definitely be the model I would, I would look to. Called Five Acres of Independence? Five Acres and Independence. And Independence. Okay. Very beautiful. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I, w- I would say my one piece of advice, I've thought about this listening to your show a bunch, is go out and try to plant something yourself. I, and I know that that's kind of your mantra too. And I think it's just really important to reiterate because even though I'm sort of a production scale, you know, commercial farmer in a way, I, compared to most farms in the United States, mm-hmm. we're still very, very small. And I think that on pretty much any scale of farming, um, I was just talking to my friends who live in Seattle who just bought a house and just planted their, their first garden at their house. Nice. And, and seeing the kind of joy that that brings someone. Okay. And they're emailing me with all the, you know, oh, what, yeah, should exactly. I here? what kind of orientation should I have the beds in and all this kind of stuff? How do I do the irrigation? And I, I think there's there's so much joy and kind of self satisfaction that can come from growing any type of food and eating it. Um, You know, I've I've even got my parents uh, who love to garden and love to be outside, but never really did much in the way of vegetable gardening. Uh Now they grow beans and And they're running experiments for us about our timing and And tomatoes (laughs) and stuff. So yeah, I'd, I'd say just go out and plant something. Cool. And I think I would say to to find your passion and then follow your passion and then also to be realistic about your passion. And that's something that I, I actually learned from Austin being out on the farm. I mean, Austin is one of the most passionate people I know. He, you know, he loves what he does. He could honestly talk to you 
about farming for five hours uh, <laughs> especially if you give him a beer you know he'll just go off <laughs> so but but and yet he's very realistic that just because he loves what he does doesn't mean that it, he's not going to be a little miserable on a 105 degree day oh, yeah. or that getting up at five in the morning is not going to be a little uncomfortable you know for three months at it four months at a time and so I think that's something that I really absorbed and kind of witnessed is that yeah it's it's okay to admit when it's work and when it's maybe not the most fun and that's still that doesn't negate the fact that you love it and it's your passion yeah. and so we have this idea of passion as being you know this intense burning happy joy and it is that and at the same time it's also hours of of work or yeah. boredom or discomfort mm -hmm. just like anything is um yeah. but i think it's that the highs start to kind of outweigh the other the other parts most of the time i call mine a gift because i've been at this for 41 years the rest of the time i call it a curse exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly and it's okay to be both yeah exactly <laughs> exactly well thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today casey and austin it has been a treat getting to chat chat with you and getting to know you yeah thank so you much, greg Kate. we really appreciate it and uh, we're really excited to to be on the show yay so two more quick questions for you what projects are you currently working on that you might want to share about so i'm actually working on a couple different projects i think one that's probably most uh interesting for your your listeners is i'm working on um developing a series of short documentaries um with a group of filmmakers we're calling it table and it basically will be oh wow immigration stories told through food, uh, which is really cool. So we, we're working on our pilot right now. One of our producers' dads, uh, is a, he lit, he's a first-generation Chinese immigrant, and every Sunday he cooks the most incredible Chinese feast. I mean, like, you think about your biggest Thanksgiving that you've ever been at. It's, uh -huh. it's that and maybe times two. Wow. Um, he cooks for 20 to 40 family members. Oh, my gosh. Five different meats, 10 different vegetable dinner dishes. Everyone's cooking. And it's basically his way of bringing his family together and keeping his culture alive. So that's just our first episode, uh -huh. uh, which we're really excited about. And we're going to have eight to 10 different Im immigration stories where we're just going to celebrate food and celebrate different the different cultures that make up American culture and, you know, tell tell these great stories and, and hear these great stories from from many different uh, parts of the population that maybe aren't always covered or aren't always highlighted in the media. I want to make sure that when you get that close to being done, you email me back so we can have a conversation about that. Yeah, definitely. I would, that, I would love to. Yeah. 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 Austin? Yes. I guess I've been, um, this is probably something that you guys do a lot in Arizona, but um, I've been working on growing chilies a lot here. Um, oh, over the yeah. Years, and I've gotten into hot sauce making and, and I'm getting to the point of maybe trying to do a little bit of a side project, selling hot sauce and doing some... Um, different chili powders and, and stuff like that with some heirloom chilies that I'm growing. So nice yeah. working on that and still trying to develop the corn that you see in the movie. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to, still trying to make a, a proper tortilla at home. Nice. <laughs> We've got sopes down. We got sopes. I got, yeah. I make a, make a real good sope, but the, the right consistency 
C4 tortilla still escapes me. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> need to spend more time in Mexico, maybe. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? So you can find out more information about the film and kind of about Austin and me on the website for The Organic Life, which is www.theorganiclifemovie.com. Mm -hmm. um, and you can contact us through the website or you can email us directly, info at theorganiclifemovie.com. And we're very used to fielding myriad farming questions now. And I... I do try to answer every email that comes through. I just had a conversation the other day with a woman about her chickens and ended up talking to our friend who grows chickens and raises chickens. And so if we don't know the answer, we'll, we'll try to help you find it and wow. uh, support, you know, your listeners farm each, each and every one of their farming journeys. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you again. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.